So you guys learning anything in this uh, series we're, we're in? Yeah? One of you? That's good, you know. I mean, it's worth one. I, God told me to preach if it was to one or a million. It didn't matter. Excuse me, I've got to get a little something here. Talk about this in a second. It's kind of fun, huh? I like secret bag. Hey, so we've been talking about wholeness. We've been talking about, we started off this series with the verse in John where Jesus said, I've come to give you life and that life more abundantly. And we talked about what that meant and we felt like some of us have fall short of that. We think, and all of us in some way or another, we think, are we really living the abundant life of Christ? Are, are we really experiencing that and, and really what is it? And so we've kind of been diving in the last few weeks about what that really looks like, what that means, what does it mean to live in the fullness of God. And so we looked at the word wholeness, and we looked at what that meant. And we looked into the word, and we saw what the word was. Who remembers that Greek word? Sozo, right? And sozo in your notes there, you can fill this in again. This is something that you, I want you to write every week. Because when you write stuff down, you remember it good, and it's good for you to meditate on later in the week. But sozo is the word for saved, or to make whole. And remember we looked at the richness of that Greek word, because that Greek word means a lot more than just a home in heaven. Amen? When you get saved, you're not just getting saved from hell. I mean, yeah, you are, but there's so much more to salvation than just escaping hell, or not having to go to hell. There's so much more, and God provided so much more. In fact, in the Greek word, if you study it, you'll find that that word means a lot of different aspects. Healing, deliverance, health, wholeness, prosperity, help in time of trouble. So there is a fullness and a richness to that word that we talked about. And we talked about also that this process of living the abundant life or coming into wholeness, completeness, was the second check mark there, which is the process of taking what is broken and putting it back together. We have broken parts of our life that God is bringing back together, and if we'll allow him to, he can bring us into a wholeness or a fullness of all that God has for us. We also looked at, too, in the next part there, the new covenant is an anchor for my faith and promises. So as we're looking at living the abundant life, as we're looking and walking in all that God has for us, we did a, a big section last week on the covenant. Remember, this was our covenant ground right here, and we, it was kind of bloody, right? The, blood, the animal split in half and blood all over. That, that's a big deal. That's an that's a intense agreement there. But we talked about the fact that this covenant that was such a powerful contract between God and us was the anchor of our faith to believe for his promises. So we got to get it in our mindset. If you want to live the abundant life, if you want all that God has for you, you have to have the confidence to believe God for his promises. And the covenant's a big part of that because that's what the whole New Testament or the new covenant is based on. If you really learn the covenant and understand the covenant, when you read through the scriptures, you'll see covenant language all over the place. And that's what God wants you to do because he wants you to be sure of that. Remember, we looked into it and we, we saw that God said that he swore by himself because there's no one greater than him. And that was a big deal because if God swore this covenant agreement by himself and there's no other one greater than him, then he cannot go back on his covenant. What happens when you go back on a covenant? <laughs> Debbie's like, yeah. When you, you can't break a covenant. 
You break a covenant in the old days, even in the pagan world, you break a covenant, they could pursue you and kill you and it would be totally fine. That was their right. And remember, when you're in covenant, just like in marriage, all that is yours is mine and all that is mine is yours. That's the covenant of marriage, and it's even more intense and fuller with the covenant that God. Remember, Paul actually said that the mystery of marriage gave us insights into the kingdom. And the mystery of the covenant marriage was a sign and a picture of what God has with us. And more, most importantly, we talked about this connection. Remember the soul connection? Someone made me mad, so I ripped their spell. <laughs> so, my chiropractor let me borrow this. We talked about the soul-spirit-body connection. We talked about how important it was to guard your soul. And what's in your soul area? Your heart, right? Your mind, your emotions, your will. Your will is very important. Your will. Hi. Haven't seen you for a while. Good to see you. I just thought, hey, I know that face. And we talked about how important it was and how important the soul was. Remember that time we talked, Bob, we talked about the valve? About the soul being the valve where you, the spirit man is made perfect at the rebirth. So when you say, Jesus, I love you, you're, you, you're coming to my heart, I believe in you, you're, you're dead, resurrected, all that good stuff. Right? Remember that? Your spirit man is made perfect right then. Not tomorrow, not later. Right? We pray, God, I, I love you, I believe, and right then, new birth. So your spirit man, totally holy, perfect, righteous in God, has a direct line to the Father. But the soul area where your will, mind, and emotions are is what regulates what gets from God's resource and power down to your soul and your mind and will and into the body, right? And so it was very important because the Bible says, renew your mind. Renew your mind, and as you renew your mind, you come into an alignment with God. When you're in a perfect alignment with God, then the flow, it's like turning on that valve. And when you turn on that valve and your mind gets renewed by God's powerful word and truth, then you can start experiencing more of God in your life. And that's an exciting thing, guys. I'm telling you, this is about the whole process of life, is learning to renew your mind and come into an alignment with God. And anyone ever had back problems? Yeah? Yeah? Yeah, right. So we know when your back's out, oh man. I mean, I, I know I haven't experienced some like, you know, Mark's had some bad back stuff. But I was playing basketball one morning. I used to get up at 6 a.m. and go to the gym. We used to play. And I remember I was just feeling fine. I was in my 30s, you know, pretty young guy. And I just, you know, took one little turn in basketball, which I played a ton of basketball. So no big deal. But my lower back went out right in here somewhere. And I fell to the floor and I couldn't even move. And I waddled, I don't even know how I got home, but I got home, I couldn't even sit up straight. When I sat up straight, I got sick to my stomach like I was going to throw up. It was just crazy. So when we're out of an alignment, it causes big trouble. And I want you to understand something today, and the reason I have this prop, I want you to understand that, that if you're not in alignment with God, it'll affect various parts of your life, okay? So in this illustration, the head's missing, but... That's the back of the skull there. So this is going to be, this is going to be the head, which represents your spirit man. Okay, then the spine area is going to be representative of your soul, and then of course your body. The rest of your body is your fleshly body. So now, in medical science, 
if one of these, any of these, all these nerves that are popping out of here go to all kinds of different parts of your body. They go to your, all your organs, your feet. You know what happens sometimes when you get hurt down here? Get pain in your foot, your knee. I mean, stuff can hurt in your hips. Up here, headaches, all kinds of stuff. In here, it can be heart, liver. All your organs are all tied into this spine. And it's if you're out of alignment, just one little notch here, it can pinch a nerve and cause damage and stress and affect a whole region or area of your body, right? But when you come into an alignment in your spine and there's health in here, then what does that do? It promotes health to the extremities. And when in your soul you come into an alignment with the precepts, the principles, the, the, the setup rules that God has and his principles of life, like, you know, let's say gravity is one of them, right? You jump off a building, that's, that's, a, that's a law of gravity, right? There's laws and principles that God has set up, and a lot of that is based off the sowing and reaping principle. God said, whatever you sow, you will reap, right? So there's things in the word that we have to line up to, and as you choose to line up your life, you may be aligned up in your life and experiencing God in a lot of areas, but there is one area that's just really jacked up. And maybe today, maybe that is your health. Or maybe it's your finances, or maybe it's relationships. Maybe you just can't get along with people. If you're a person where everyone else is wrong, it's time to look in the mirror, right? Yeah, okay. So you may have a one out of alignment, and you may be experiencing God in other ways good, but there's one area that's jacked up. The, the Bible says that if you'll renew your mind and come into an agreement, Amos chapter 3, the prophet Amos says, how can two walk together unless they be agreed? So you have to come into an alignment. You align that spine, that little thing there, you free up that, that whole area of your life begins to change, right? You do finances, for example. You may struggle in finances. God, you're always stressed out, never have enough money to pay the bills. And you may be experiencing God in other ways, great, and you come in here and you're like, well, where am I not in alignment? And God says, well, you're not, you're not giving your tithe. You don't, you don't pay your tithe. So in this area of your life, you're choosing to not trust me and do my word, so you're going to have the nerve-ending struggles in that area financially in your life. You're still going to heaven. God still loves you. We're going to be rejoicing in heaven one day, but in this lifetime, if you don't align with him, you're going to struggle in whatever area you don't want to agree with him in his word, right? This isn't agree with Doug. This is agree with God. God's word is what our standard is. That's what our plumb line is. That's what we line up with. And so you can take any area, and, so matter, and no matter where you're struggling, even health-wise, guys, there's a lot of health. 80%, they say, of sickness and disease today has a spiritual root, has an interproblem. Even uh, 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 science, uh, secular science says that. Stress, anxiety, fear, anxiousness, all those things that you, we do to ourselves causes unalignment in the body and causes sickness and disease. Not all of it. But a lot of it does, and a lot of it's been proven, and not only proven in science, but proven spiritually that when people have gotten freedom from certain things and got into an alignment with God on certain principles, uh, it is left. One great story is a lady that had breast cancer, and she had breast cancer, both breasts, and she was doing all the doctor stuff, going to all, taking all the medicines, and she went to church one day, and she talked to her pastor, and, and she told she said, Lord, I want to be healed. I know God can do it. I believe this. And they prayed, and, and the Lord spoke to her and said, you haven't forgiven your mother. And she's like, wow, you know, it's, that is true. I, I, man, she treated me horrible. The, the things she did to me, the things she said to me, 
there's no way. I forgive her, but there's still anger. There's still resentment. So she said, God said, no, you need to go release her and mend that relationship. The Bible says this, church, be reconciled. Forgive one another. In fact, Jesus takes it to another level and says, if you don't forgive your brother or sister, what? God won't forgive you. Are you understanding this? That you're going to still go to heaven, but if you have unforgiveness, you are, you are cursing your body. You are saying, God, I'm not going to come in alignment, and I don't care how tweaked my back gets and all the pain and suffering it causes my life. I'm going to do what I'm going to do. This is my life. I'm going to do. God says, that's fine. You're going to, you're, whatever you sow, you shall reap. Are you with me? So coming into an alignment with God helped. So this lady went home and prayed on it, and oh my gosh, God, you're right. Forgave, call up her mom at that point. She was still alive, and mom, I'm sorry, we amended the relationship and repented and asked God to forgive her, and, and she went back to the doctor and a regular checkup, and, and the doctor said, well, that's weird. I'm like, what? She's like, You're, you don't have breast cancer in one of your breasts, but the other one is still there. She's like, what? That's weird. Like, but happy, like I'm healed, right? So she, she went back to the pastor. They talked and said, man, I, I prayed and I asked forgiveness, and I, I was halfway healed. And what's wrong? And so they prayed, and God showed them that another lady she had forgiven was uh, not her mom, but it was a friend not related to her. And so, wow, you know, she went back, did the same thing, prayed, repented, asked for forgiveness, reconciled with the person, went to the doctor, free of cancer. And it's like, what? And this, this is documented in the book. This is some story I'm telling. This is actual. So what they discovered from that and other stories like that, because there's a pastor, um, uh, his name's Dr. Henry Wright, and he was a pastor, and he was frustrated because when he prayed for people, only, you know, 2% of people were getting healed. Like, he'd pray for 100 people, and maybe two people would, you know, have some sign of God moving. So he, he asked God, like, why, what's up with this? Why are only a few people, I thought there was more power in your word, you're God, this is, something's got to be wrong here. Help me, Lord. And so God showed him, took him on a journey. Well, they started doing uh, medical research, and they found with cancer patients and breast, breast uh, cancer patients that many of them had a spiritual root of unforgiveness and bitterness towards related mother, sister, and then also relate, unrelated women in their life of other, of, of other, uh, of other um, outside the family. And so uh, based on that, now is this, it's not rocket science, it's not like perfect science, but they found through studies that that is true. So they, they, they identify that the spiritual root to that was unforgiveness and resentment and anger towards someone. And so they, they did studies, and they, if you come into an alignment, all of a sudden this nerve gets free up, and it's allowed, it's allowed to pour out life into that area and bring health and wholeness. Are you with me? So does that help you understand? The soul is so important, church, that we align our soul and our hearts with God's word, that we are in a continuous, you cannot walk in the abundant life of God, you cannot walk in all that God's intended to you until you get it in your minds that you are going to meditate on God's word day and night. God's word is life. It is life, church. God's word is breathed by him, inspired by him, and able to teach and train and correct and bring reproof to you, which corrects the spine into health. Amen? So you've got to have that in your hearts. You've got to be determined in your heart that you're going to recognize God's word as that important. Why do you think the Bible says in Psalms 1 to meditate on his word day and night? Not just whenever you feel like it. Every day, make it a part of your daily routine. It is that powerful, church. So if you want to live in wholeness, you want to live in health, 
You've got to have that soul under the power of the word. So we'll leave that there. That was just review. Sorry for the long thing, but I wanted to give you that illustration. Oh, there's another cool one that I'll show you too. My uh, chiropractor's a Christian, so he's like, hey, do this one. <laughs> so, the, so this shows the spine in different levels. So you're supposed to have a nice, healthy cushion between each vertebrae. He says, if you allow your vertebrae and you don't correct the uh, dysfunction in it, you will get degenerated stuff and it'll lose all the cushion and then that causes all kinds of problems, right? That's in the physical body. So in the same way in the spirit, if you allow your spirit to believe a lie and you don't bring correction to that lie and you allow that lie to fester in your life, you will degenerate that area, whatever spine that's related to in your life, and you'll have dysfunction, pain, and misery in that section of your life because you don't want to bring correction to the lie. It's supposed to look like this top one, but if we let it decay, we don't deal with it, we allow the enemy to sucker us into believing a lie that contradicts the word of God, then we bring decay and death into our physical bodies by not aligning ourselves with the word of God. And so it's a powerful illustration. God wants you healthy and whole, guys, and, and God wants you to experience that, but you must Pay the price of sowing and meditation on God's word and conforming. It is a process, not an event. It is a part, it's a, it's a journey that you begin when you say yes to Jesus until the end you say, hello, Jesus. Right? It's between those two points where you have a journey with God where you need to renew your mind. If you want more of God, I, I'm tired of, of the passivity. Um, I'm tired of the status quo. I want more. I want all that God has for me. I want no matter what the cost, no matter if I make a few mistakes along the way, I'd rather make a few mistakes, right, than never get what I'm, I'm searching for and, and just play it safe. Right. You got to be a risk taker if you want to, uh, every hero of faith. You were, read the Bible, there ain't passi passivity people taking the kingdom. Right. It's people that are risk takers and are going to go for it, and they're going to go for it with all their hearts. So the last point there we talked about last week is holiness. And remember, holiness was the first step into walking in abundance, walking in wholeness, walking in the fullness that God has for you. You must start in holiness. And remember, what was holiness? What did our stickers say? I belong to God. I live to serve God. Holiness is being separate unto God for a specific purpose. Holiness is not about wearing a suit and tie and doing all the do's and don'ts and rules of traditional church. Holiness is about being separated unto God, living your life where you're all about him. That's being holy. God said, be holy like I'm holy. What did he say? I want you to be completely sold out for my kingdom like I'm completely sold out for my kingdom. Why did Jesus pray, your kingdom come, pray, my kingdom in heaven be done on earth? Because God is implementing his kingdom on this planet. And it is in motion right now. Are you with me? Do you understand? This is a cool concept of the kingdom. The kingdom of God came. And remember Christ, when he came on the earth, he started preaching. He said, the kingdom is at hand. Right? John the Baptist said, prepare the way. The kingdom is near. Jesus said, look, the kingdom is at hand. It is right next to you. I am implementing my kingdom into this kingdom. He was bringing a change. And it's interesting, too, if you study and look at the word apostle. The apostle wasn't actually a biblical word uh, first. It was a Greek word first and a secular word used in the Roman Empire when they, uh, uh, they would take over a certain land. 
And what they would do when they would conquer another land in that time, they would send an apostle to the land they conquered. And the apostle's job was to prepare and, and make sure that that kingdom was being transformed into what the Roman Empire kingdom looked like. So that when the king of kings, the head honcho, came to visit that land, he would, his apostles went before him, and so when he got to that kingdom, he would recognize and say, yes, my kingdom here is now my kingdom here. Think about it. Church, you and me are sent forth from God to take the kingdom of God and put it on this planet. We are to enforce that. We're to bring God's kingdom into here, and we're to prepare this place, right? As a bride prepares for his groom, we're to get this place ready to preach the gospel, to expect signs and wonders and the power of God to be with us as lives are changed and healed and transformed. And it's through the church that this is going to happen. God made it that way, that it's through you and me that this transformation comes into this planet. And we are the apostles. We are the church that is going before God and saying, we're preparing this land, God, so that when you come down, when you come for your church, we're ready. You're going to come to a kingdom that's strong and a land that looks like heaven. Remember what Jesus said, give us this day our daily bread, right? Forgive us our sins. What did he say? Let thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Let thy kingdom come. He was telling the apostles, the Christian, the church, to pray, thy kingdom come. Come. Your rule and reign, come in this place. And I am a forebearer. I'm an ambassador of Christ, and I'm going before him, and I'm preaching the gospel. I'm preaching the message of Christ to everyone around me to help them prepare them and teach them how to live in this new kingdom. Because God wants to come down and see people living the kingdom life the way it is in heaven. Woo. That's a, that's a big one right there. We'll uh, chew on that later. So we looked at holiness Walking in holiness, your last checkpoint there, is the beginning of real life change. If you are in a life right now where you don't see a lot of power of God in your life and you want more of God, you've got to walk in holiness. You've got to set the right attitude, the right heart attitude that you belong to God, that your life is about serving him and there is no other. It's got to be, he's got to be number one. You know God doesn't tolerate second place? A lot of us think that God's okay with not being number one in our lives. He's not. He doesn't tolerate it. He's either number one or he's not. And he needs to be number one. And it, be, it comes to that place when you walk in holiness that you, you live for God. You wake up, and I told you last week to say that when you got up. If you didn't do it, do it this week. Every time you wake up, first words out of your mouth, I live to serve you, God. Just make that declaration over your life. Lord, I belong to you. I've been bought and purchased with a price. I am not my own. I belong to you. It sets your mind in the right area and the right status to, 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 to do what God's called you to do and to live the way God's called you to live. So we want to get into a, um, a fun topic, and I am so excited about this, because the second piece, after you're walking in holiness and you initiate this change, because um, wholeness... We talked about wholeness is oneness with the life of God. And on your first note there, wholeness, uh, whol, uh, excuse me, holiness is oneness with the, um, the character of God, excuse me. So holiness is one with, oneness with the character of God. We looked at that last week. This week, we're going to look at wholeness is oneness with the life of God. So it's the same way holiness prepared us to walk in that 
the same, the same place with health and wholeness is going to help us walk in the life of God. So oneness, wholeness is oneness with the life of God. And we're going to talk about healing a little bit today. We're going to get into some basics of that. And I want to preface this conversation with this fact that I want you to stay open to what God's word says. Remember in the beginning we talked about traditions of man making the word of God no effect, right? We talked about the fact that because people were getting away from what God really said, they started going off of what so-and-so rabbi said about what God said, and then rabbi, rabbi told what rabbi A was saying, and then he read the word, but he interpreted it to rabbi B and C, and by the time you get it, it's twisted. It's like the phone game in a sense where it gets twisted. But we have to understand that um, though we have been raised in church, we may not have the right perspective on every aspect of God's word, right? And so we have to remain open and teachable and pliable to the fact that we have, don't have it perfect. We also, remember we looked at the roadblocks? We looked at roadblocks to learning. Some of those roadblocks will keep you. So we want to make sure that you're not um, letting any of those roadblocks, maybe it was poor teaching, maybe it was hurt, or a disappointment from the past. We talked about disappointing things that happened where God, uh, to your uh, uh, vantage point, didn't come through for you or allowed something to happen in your life. Or, or this is a, a new one, is, is you, did, you didn't understand it. And so because you didn't understand why it happened that way, you kind of shut off that whole area and say, oh, no, that's too scary and hurtful. I'm going to keep it there. And so let's not even, let's keep this very generic and let's not dig down deep into what God's word really says because I don't want to deal with that hurt. And a lot of us do that. In fact, I would say everyone in this room, including myself, at one point or another has had a disappointing thing happen in their life in relation to God where it's kind of hurt us and we haven't totally dealt with that and come to true uh, uh, restoration. And so we kind of leave that area un, un, untended. And I would say that healing and health is one of those areas. And uh, as I was preparing this week, um, I got really excited because I know that when there's pressure and there's conflict and things are trying to come against you and you're doing something that God's telling you to do, it's a good sign. You know, it's a good sign where you, you're feeling like a certain way and God's bringing other challenges in your life. And, 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 I, and, it's, and to me, it's a quite interesting that um, my mom is actually, to the world's report, is about to die. Uh, she's fighting cancer. She's in her last stages of that in the world's report. And uh, uh, my, I pray with my mom every night. We, we talk about 9 o'clock, and we pray prayers of faith. And she's standing, even though she is, in, if God doesn't show up, she's facing death. And that could come in a couple weeks or a month if God doesn't show up. But in the midst of that, we're standing, she's standing in incredible faith, believing um, for, for God to come through and do a miracle. You know, wasn't there a king that got 15 years added to his life? Right? You know, I think it was, was it Hezekiah? Yeah. Got 15 years. He got sick and he prayed and God said, all right, I'll give you 15 more. And you know what? God's no respecter of persons. He doesn't favor one person over another. If he'll do it for Hezekiah, he'll do it for you. And you can take that. Why? Because you're in covenant with him. You're in covenant with the Most High God. Everything that is his belongs to you. I know that's a tough concept, but he, he made it. 
So as we talk about wholeness being health and wholeness leading towards a healthy lifestyle, I want to say this. You know God's ultimate plan, if our spine is correctly as our soul gets there, he would like us to live in health. He would like us to live a healthy life where we wouldn't actually really need healing because if you look at it from a biblical perspective, obedience in the Old Testament meant blessings, disobedience meant curses. And we're going to look at that in a, in a second. But one of the main things at the, at the bottom level of understanding healing is you have to understand where sickness comes from. So let's just make that clear real quick. Your next point there says sickness is death working in your body. Sickness is death. The next point there says death is sickness matured. Sickness is working towards one end, and that's to kill you. And that sounds very familiar to me. The enemy says, he, the Bible says he comes to steal, kill, and destroy. So sickness is death matured in you. And remember, when we were, we were created for divine health in the beginning, when Adam and Eve were created, there was no sickness, there was no death, there was nothing. And so uh, as far as taking their life, they were alive, they had God's life flowing through them, they meditated with God, they talked to God every day, they walked with them, the God's life was in them, and there was no death. But what brought death? Sin brought in death, and death is sickness matured. Sickness comes to destroy your body. Do you know that there's over a... Um, Oh, what was the number? Was it 100 or 120? Let's just say a lot. There's a, a lot of cancer rogue cells in your body, all of us, throughout your lifetime. Did you know that? Did you know that everyone has a cancer rogue cell in their body that with a healthy body, normally that body disposes of that cancerous cell. That's the natural response for your body and the amazing body God gave you to recognize intruders, the white blood cells, the T cells, the immune system works together, and they got little radars on, and they start, they, and they see something, and they go, that don't belong here, and they blah, and they attack it, right? That's your immune system. It, it, it's awesome. And then the more you study and look at it, it's like amazing how God made your immune system. But what happens is when we get out of an alignment, it gives a, a wrong signal, and can mess with your chemistry makeup in your body. Your hypothalamus gland that secretes different types of chemicals can be affected and manipulated and even changed over time through the, the, the stresses of life. For example, everyone, anyone been scared to death? Like someone scare your wits out of you, anyone? Like someone just got you where you weren't ready for it and they jumped out of the corner or whatever and you know, you're walking your car at night and someone's in a trash can and pops out, right? You know? And it just scares you, right? It closes, yeah, coming in is something that you don't expect it. And you, ever, you know that feeling you get when they scare you? Like that, <clears throat> and you just feel like a, almost like a drugged release in your body, that adrenaline, uh, fight or flight. That is a normal response to something that is either coming towards you or a frightening thing, and it's, it's God's built-in mechanism. You know, moms have lifted cars off kids and done feats of strength and you know, it's a, it's a mechanism to help your body respond and deal with that situation. However, when you don't deal with that situation, it comes in a different form. For example, you're in fear. And so what happens in your normal body is someone jumps out of the dryer. Oh, Seth, what are you doing in there, you silly kid? You know, you scared me. I'm not saying it was Seth, but so... <laughs> 
It was you? Okay, good. Yeah. I figured, you know, figured as much. So, so she sees Seth and goes, oh, okay, so what happens in the body? So the body secreted this uh, chemical in the body, right? And, it, and you're just ready to fight. You know, you're, you're either ready to run or you're ready to punch him in the face, right? So you have this ready and you got this power and you're stronger and your muscles now are, you know, superpower, right? And, and God made you that way. But then when you see it, the, the scare, the fear is resolved, right? Oh, it's Seth. Seth, oh, man. Whoo, Seth. Oh, man, yeah. Seth, boom. You know. All right, and then. I, I, yeah, I would be too. How did you fit in the dryer? That's just weird. Well, we can talk about that later. We can talk about that later. So in your body, what happens is because you're, it's resolved in your mind, your body filters out and does away with that adrenaline chemical in your body, and it gets filtered out and, and goes out of your body. So when you don't resolve the fear, the chemicals released and never resolved. And so your body keeps thinking there's a frightful thing happening when you're in fear or anxious and worried about stuff. And you constantly are thinking, oh my gosh, if I don't do this, this is going to happen. And this person, oh my gosh, if this does here, and oh man, I'm going to be, oh my gosh, there's this and it's going to turn into a sickness. And, I'm, and you're just so afraid and fear and all that. You know what you're doing to your body? You're, you're acting as though someone's jumped out and scared you, but you don't know what it is, so it's never resolved, and your hypothalamus gland continues to secrete these different chemicals out. So you're pumping throughout your whole body this false chemical that's not the way God created you, because Jesus said, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about tomorrow, right? That's what, that's what he said, right? Don't worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow's got to just don't trust God. But when you do that, it secretes in your body. And so you keep sending these signals in your body. And just think of the, the chemistry mix-up in your body, and that can bring destruction. Now, that, that's a, I'm not trying to be a chemistry lesson here. But I'm telling you, the trick is, though, is that if, if it's not, if you don't uh, resolve issues in your heart and come to a place of peace and understanding about what God says, then you're bringing sickness into your life. Sickness comes from one place. Look at this in our, our four-square Pentecostal theology book, uh, which had some fabulous stuff on healing. I just want you to know that the four-square church was founded on powerful, miraculous healing. Okay? It was Amy Simple McPherson had many, many uh, awesome, God healed many people through her. And so in our theology that the Foursquare Church has for their denomination, it says this about uh, sickness. It says, a clear understanding of the origin of sickness is absolutely essential to, to, any, to, um, to grasp, uh, to, excuse me, is absolutely essential to any grasp of the subject of divine healing. No one will ever have the right kind of faith to believe God for healing if he sees sickness as God sees it. Nor will he be able to see sickness as God sees it until he knows how sickness originated. I want you to look at Luke 13. And let's answer this question together. In Luke 13, 16, the Bible says this. And ought not this woman a daughter of Abraham, who Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. So clearly you see in Luke 13 that Satan has bound. Satan 
bound this woman for 18 years. Not God. The source of that binding, that illness came from the pit of hell. And it's interesting if you read the story because Jesus calls them hypocrites because they're more worried about what they do on the Sabbath than this poor woman who's been in, in this bondage for 18 years and they care more about the fact that she's, they're doing some type of work on the Sabbath than caring about the person. It just shows you where legalism and pharisaical thinking gets you. It's just crazy. But I want you to notice that it was Satan who bound. And I want you to think about that word. Let's look at that Greek word, to, to be bound or bind. It can be translated in different ways. It could be translated, Satan has imprisoned. Satan has compelled or forced. Satan has restricted, put under his authority. Satan has prohibited or binded her or caused illness. Or, check this out, one of the uses of the word has to do with the word for married, implying being under the authority of. So this word does have the connotation of this woman being put and bound under the authority of Satan, and Satan was able to keep her bound 18 years. Isn't that crazy? 18 years, and Jesus in a moment said, get up. And she was bent over, and she, God straightened her up, straightened her spine. Satan bound her. Look at Acts 10.38 in your notes there. It says this, And God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil. Thank you. For God was with him. The Bible clearly states that Jesus came in the spirit of power and he was healing all those people who were oppressed of the devil. So everyone that Jesus prayed for was under the oppression of the devil. The word oppressed, I want you to look at it because it talks about to conquer or to enslave. And so you could read that and say Jesus healed all those who were enslaved or conquered by the devil. Sickness, church, is enslavement to the devil. Sickness is being under the bondage of hell's will for your life. Sickness is part of that. I want you to start seeing sickness and disease for what it really is. I want you to start seeing it for where its source is at. And you can really never understand and get a grasp of who God is in the healing uh, part of him without understanding like the Pentecostal foundational book said, until you grasp where sickness comes from. Well, let's look at even Job. Remember Job, he had a bad time, didn't he? Job 2.7 says, Satan left the presence of the Lord and struck Job with loathsome sores from the sole of his foot to the crown of his head. Listen to what the word struck Job is translated to be. Strike, beat, uh, to be wounded, destroy, um, to kill, to afflict, to defeat and conquer, to, to uh, give a victorious blow, a final strike. I mean, this clearly shows us, church, that Satan was the one who put sickness upon Job. And we're going to look specifically into Job later in a whole teaching just on Job because you learn a ton about how God views sickness and the character of God in the book of Job. 
and we'll look at that more later. But I want you to get in your heart right now. Let's establish this. Sickness is not from God. Sickness comes from the devil. The Bible clearly teaches that, that sickness is from him. Now that we've established that, because if you don't understand that, if you don't get that, you're starting off on a wrong footing. You're going to be one degree off. If you don't understand that, or if you haven't, you know, if is the killer of faith. What, what if, well, what about if, if this? No, God's word is your standard. You've got to understand this is a principle in God's word that he teaches over. And there's a lot more scriptures. If you need those, I'll be uh, more than happy to share those with you about that fact that sickness comes from the devil. Now, what did Jesus accomplish on the cross? Let's look at that with, in regards to sickness. Look at 1 John 3, 8, because this is an important concept if we're going to understand God's healing process. 1 John 3, 8 says this, Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. Jesus destroyed the works of the devil. Verse 8 says, whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. So you must ask the question, did Jesus do what he came to do? I heard a very slight yes. I hope a little more enthusiasm and excitement. Did Jesus accomplish what he came to do? Yes. Right? So that should be exciting for us as believers because if Jesus didn't accomplish what he was sent to do, then we're in big trouble. But the Bible says that he did accomplish, and in your notes in the circle there, Jesus accomplished what he was sent to do. And you've got to understand that and know that in your heart, that if Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, and Jesus accomplished that in his death and resurrection, then in your faith you have to know in the bottom of your heart that Jesus did what he came to do, and the works of the enemy are conquered in Christ Jesus. And that is good news. It is good news that because of what Jesus did, we have conquered that because we are in him. And so we can walk in the name of Christ being a conqueror and not a defeated one. Look at some other vital scriptures about what Jesus did on the cross in regards to sickness. Isaiah 53, 4 is a, a popular verse. Um, 53 in Isaiah, chapter 53, verse 4, says, Surely he bore our diseases and he took our pains Yet we considered him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. And that's from the New Heart English Bible. And I want you to say, surely he, speaking 700 years before Christ actually came to the earth, Isaiah prophesied about him and said, this person, this Messiah, would bear, would carry our disease and take our pains on himself for us. He literally took, lifted, and carried all of our hurt and pain and destruction that we would have from sin and put it on his shoulders and himself and took the punishment so that we could be free from that. And you might say, yeah, that's Old Testament. Well, yeah, it is. But I want you to look in what the New Testament people thought about the prophet Isaiah. In fact, you know, Jesus, he loved Deuteronomy and he loved Isaiah, the prophet. He quoted a lot from those two sources. In Matthew 8, 16, it says this. It says, That evening they brought to him, uh, meaning Jesus, many who were oppressed by demons, and he cast out the spirits with a word and healed all who were sick. This was to fulfill 
what was spoken by the prophet Isaiah, he took our illnesses and bore our diseases. What's beautiful about what Matthew is uh, uh, talking about here in Jesus' life is not only proving that that scripture was relatable and meant Jesus, but he was saying that the fact that it had to do with the physical healing of the body had to exactly do with what Isaiah prophesied. A lot of people have taken Isaiah and and scholars that want to kind of make healing for those days only and not for today. Um, a lot of those people say, oh, well, that, that's not, he didn't carry our disease and sickness. He just, that's a spiritual sickness he carried or, or that's some, they try and spiritualize it, not make it really what it is. Well, Matthew makes it very clear that when he saw Jesus casting out demons and healing every person that came to him, that was a sign and a fulfillment of what Isaiah said, that he came to bore our sickness and disease. And it actually means sickness and disease, physical So that's an exciting verse for you. When you're trying to believe for healing, that's a good one to meditate on and believe for. 1 Peter also backs it up again. I want to give you uh, lots of scriptures. So this is another scripture that talks about that same um, quote in 1 Peter 2.24. It says, he himself, meaning Jesus, bore our sins on his body on that tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. And then it quotes, by his wounds, you have been healed, a direct quote from Isaiah the prophet. So in the New Testament thinking, they were seeing the fulfillment of Isaiah's prophecy that Jesus carried our sickness and disease and paid for it on the cross by his death and resurrection. 700 years before, they saw what Jesus was doing, and he was healing everybody. He was making people whole. He was bringing health and wholeness to them as a fulfillment of prophecy. And so that's an exciting thing. And, and when you're wanting to learn more about healing, you're wanting to walk in that more, you've got to have that foundational foundation laid in your heart that sickness comes from the enemy, but Christ carried and paid for not just our spiritual wholeness. God, let, let's, let's be real. The best thing about the, the work of the cross is that we have eternal life and we get to be with Jesus forever. That, I mean, you know, hands down, let's get real. Our life's short. We got, you know, what, 60 to 80 years, generally speaking. Uh, some get more, some get less. Um, and there's a point in, uh, for all of us to die. All of us, God knows in his book, he has a day we're all dying, and, and whether we understand it or like it or agree with it or not, it doesn't matter, right? So there's a, there, God has that, but the, the thing that I want you to understand is that too many Christians are thinking that they have to live their life, and they're just, oh, I can't wait for heaven. I just, it's going to be so great. Just, oh, Lord, just get me through this until I get to heaven. That, that's, that's not biblical thinking. That's against God's word. God wants you to be a victorious, conquering believer, a child of God working in the authority of the king as an ambassador, one who's taking the gospel out, one who's seeing signs and miracles, following them that believe and, and helping people get whole and, quit, and getting healthy yourself so you can help other people get free and healthy spirit, soul, and body. That's what God wants for us, church. And so we have to have those foundations laid for that. That God has that. You know, another good psalm that you can look at is Psalms 103. Psalms 103 talks about um, the same thing that uh, Peter talked about, that Matthew and Isaiah talked about. But it says, check this out. And I want you to catch this because we've been talking about the soul a lot and how important maintaining our heart, our soul. It says in Psalms 103, bless the Lord, O my soul. Now, remember in our praise and worship thing, some of you weren't here for that, but remember in our praise and worship series, we talked about this word, 
bless, which was barach, which means to bless him, but it means to bend your knee to him. It means to surrender. So if we think about this, about the surrendering, about bending the knee, come on, you know, worship, right? Bless the Lord. Sometimes, oh, we have all these things to do, but bless really means you're surrendering to God. You're bending the knee to him and saying, you're the Lord, God. You're the, the master. And so if we think about this as a, in relation to our soul, bless the Lord, oh, my soul. Get my soul in alignment with God's word. Bend my soul, my mind, will, and emotions to the truth of God's word. Bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and all that is with me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord. Verse 2. Oh, my soul. How important is it, church, that your soul get under the control of the word of God? Are you with me? Because as the soul goes, the rest of your body goes. Now, listen to this. In verse uh, 3, uh, or verse 2, bless the Lord, oh, my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, which in the Hebrew meant, don't forget even now, no, not one of them, because there's a bunch. And it goes on to say, he who forgives all your iniquity and who heals all your disease. So that's the benefit of the covenant. This is all covenant language, guys, in Psalms 103. Covenant language. He has benefits for you. You know, sometimes we view sickness and we look at it as a different category than we do any other thing that is not in the will of God. And I want to challenge you today that you should start if you're not already doing this. Because once you understand that sickness is from the devil, right, and that Jesus came and he did what he came to do and destroyed the works of the devil and gave us the authority and the right to um, call on his covenant, right, to proclaim healing in our life, that we should respond the same way to sickness as we do sin. I want you to think about that. It's in your notes. Write it in. We should respond the same way to sickness as we do sin. When we're tempted by something that's coming from hell, that's sourced in hell, let's use something simple like, oh, gossip, or backbiting, or negative talk behind someone's back. Would you say that's sourced from hell? Yeah? All of us agree? That when you talk about someone behind their back and that person's not there, that that's gossip and that's from the pit of hell, and that is not good for you, right? And as a Christian, what does God tell us to do with that kind of stuff? Entertain it? Jump right in and add more to the fire? No, he says, kill it. Squash it. So we respond to gossip who is sourced out of hell, and we do not invite it in. We don't say it's part of God's plan, do we? No, we say, you're not part of God's plan. Stop that right now. Get reconciled and, and, and speak love over each other. So I respond to sin because I'm dead to sin now in Christ Jesus, right? I hate sin, right? Doesn't the Bible say that we should hate sin? It says friendship with the world is hatred towards God. So if I'm in a friendship with what's coming from the kingdom of darkness, which is vehemently opposed to God's kingdom, and I like it or I tolerate it, is that good? No, of course not. So my viewpoint is that I would approach it and say, no, get out in Jesus' name. But then when it comes to sickness and disease, we have all kinds of excuses for it. We don't look at it sometimes, and I'm speaking for myself too, we've been trained in this society that we treat it as something that just has to happen. And, and we, have, we go to the extent of some people saying that, oh, this is a sickness is from God. 
and he's teaching me or training me or he's reproving me or he's doing something in my life to make me better. Well, that's not how you treat something from hell. That's anti-scripture. The Bible clearly teaches that we do what Jesus should do, right? What did Jesus do when he was tempted to buy into what Satan was trying to tell him? The word. He brought the word against it. You need to bring the word against everything that comes from hell, including sickness. Because it is just as much as a trespasser as gossip or lying or stealing or sex outside of marriage, or pornography, or whatever sin you may be tempted with in this room, that you would be ashamed if we put it on a video screen right now, and it showed your secret life. In the same way, we should bring the word against any sin, anything that's sourced out of hell, anything that does not have God's stamp on it, we should oppose it with everything in us. I want you to think that way and ask God what he thinks. God, should I, should I uh, treat sickness as my friend? Should I invite it? Should I give room for it? See what he says. Make sure what God's telling you lines up with the word of God. There are too many people that say, God told me this, God told me that. You know what? In your, in your soul, you can hear God, you can hear Satan and every demon of hell, you can hear yourself, your own self-thought and self-talk, right? And then you, in your ears and there also other people's voices that come in are another voices in your soul. There's a lot of things. You need discernment, and part of discernment is recognizing what lines up with Scripture and what doesn't. Test them, Yes. And church, if you have a thought that you should tell someone off, then you need to make sure that's lined up with scripture. If you have a thought that comes in and says, oh, I don't want to go to this church, I'm going to leave it. You should test those thoughts and say, God, is that you telling me to leave? Or, or is it just me? Or am I frustrated something? Or, or I need to reconcile something? Or, hey, God, I have a thought that says I need to go buy this item at the store because I need it. Same thing, church. I'm, we we want to make sickness this big old thing, and we make all these other little sins minor things, but it's coming from the same source. Dysfunctional thinking, thinking of hell that doesn't bring fullness and wholeness to your life. So I want you to bring the word against it. I want you to think of sickness the same way we do any other sin. Don't let it in your life. Fight it with everything you got. Health is a product of obedience to God's word. A healthy life is a product. It takes time. It's a process. Health is a product of obedience to God's word. Listen to what Proverbs 4.20 says. Now, we're talking about a guy that got the most wisdom any man on the earth ever got. And this is him speaking, the spirit of God speaking through him. He says, my son, be attentive to my words... Incline thine ear to thy sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. For they are life to those who find them and healing to all their flesh. It is a direct correlation to obeying the word, 
getting God's word in your heart, renewing your mind and transforming your mind and thinking to the way God thinks about you and the way you're made. He ought to know he made us, right? So he has some great insight onto how our bodies actually work, right? And so as we meditate and we're attentive to his words and sayings, which is meditating on the word day and night, getting it in us, we're going to become more and more in alignment with him and we're going to start seeing that vertebrae It's not going to all happen on day one, so don't get all in a tizzy. It's it's going to take time. It's going to take you renewing and repenting and asking God to forgive you for wrong thinking. And sorry, God, help me, help me, help me, help me. That's the journey of being sanctified. We don't know it all. In fact, all of us in this room need change. We all need to do that. That's why we have to reflect on the word every day and let the word transform us and wash us. And as we do that, we slowly... Oh, that vertebrae got in alignment. Whoa, there's a health in a whole new area. Oh, something else God brings to our attention. Hey, you got to do this or, 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 or you know, reconcile with this person. Oh, another vertebrae lines up and all of a sudden there's health over in this part of the area of your life. And that's God's reconciliation process of you being sanctified over time as you sit before his word and transform yourself to do that. Amen? Are you with me? All right. So... The last thing I want to look at before we go is um, Old Testament. Are Old Testament healing promises valid for today? We've kind of tied that in, but I want to share with you a revelation I got. Um, It's something, you know, sometimes you know something that the Word says, and then you're just looking at it, and it just reflects to you in a different way, in a different light, and it really uh, impacted me this uh, week. But in the Old Testament... Are they all valid? Because we are under the New Testament, and a lot of people have a problem with the Old Testament and how much of that we get or what we, what we listen to, what we don't, what we obey, what we can't, what we can claim, what we can't claim. And so I want to address that because sickness, excuse me, in the Old Testament was part of the curse. So in the Old Testament, in Deuteronomy 28, turn there if you have your Bibles, turn to Deuteronomy 28, And it's a whole chapter of blessings and cursings. Lots of pages, whoa. 68 verses in Deuteronomy 28 have to do with blessings and cursings of the covenant that God made. 14 of these verses are blessings. 54 verses have to do with the curse. At first, you say, yikes, God, why the unbalance there? You know, blessings and then all this stuff and cursing. Well, look at it from a different perspective. Look at all the stuff you can be free from. Think of that. But I, I want to read some of this just so we get an idea. I'm not going to read the whole thing. But it starts off with the blessing part in, in verse 1 and it says, now if you shall, uh, shall come to pass, if you diligently obey the voice of the Lord your God to observe carefully all his commandments, which I give you today, that the Lord your God will set you high above all the nations of the earth. And all these blessings shall come upon you and overtake you because you obey the voice of the Lord your God. Blessed shall you be in the city and blessed shall you be in the country. Blessed shall the fruit of your body and the produce um, of your ground increase of your herds, the increase of your cattle, the offspring of your flocks. Blessed shall your basket be in your kneading bowl. Blessed shall you be going in and coming out. And it continues to go awesome blessings that every one of us in here would say, I'll take that, yeah, I want it. And then it goes into 54 verses of if you disobey, let's look at verse um, 15. 
But it shall come to pass, if you do not obey the voice of the Lord, uh, your God, to observe carefully all that he commanded to do in the statutes that he commanded you today, that all these curses will come upon you and overtake you. Curse shall be you in the city, cursed shall you be in the country, cursed shall you be in the basket, in the kneading bowl, cursed shall you be in the fruit of your body, and on and on. And it talks about sickness. He talks about the fact that part of the curse will be all the sickness and disease that was put on the Egyptians and the, the, the groups of people that lived there before them. Those would come on you. So sickness, disease, dysfunction, you, you read through those and you'll realize how much stuff that, you, that can come upon a person that wants to consistently go against what God's teaching. I've used this illustration a lot, and I'm sorry, but I love it. If you put, if you put water in the gas in the, in the car, it's going to screw your car up. You don't put water in the gas tank. It's not designed that way. If you continue to put water in, in your gas tank, you will destroy your car. If you continue today, New Testament, with Jesus, if you continue to sow things that do not agree with God's word, that are lies, if you continue to put that in your gas tank, you will destroy your body. And you, you, you're in heaven. I'm not talking about heaven. I'm talking about from now until you die, you have the choice of to align yourself up with God's word or to disalign yourself, which brings death. Anything that's not in alignment with God is bringing unalignment the other way. Are you with me? So that's part of it. Sickness is part of the curse. But the good news, guys, today is that Galatians 3.13 says, and it ties into the Old Testament, it says I, uh, that we are free from the curse of the law. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. So that in Christ Jesus, the blessings of Abraham, oh, more covenant language, right? So that the blessings of Abraham calling back in the New Testament saying you're free from the curse is saying back to the the Old Testament covenant with Abraham. I mean, this is crazy. So that Christ Jesus, the blessing of Abraham might come to the Gentiles so that we might receive the promise through faith. Guys, Christ redeemed us from the curse. We are free from the curse of the law. Now, check this out. So, the first covenant name of God in the Old Testament in Exodus 15 was what we all know, Jehovah Rapha. Okay? Exodus 15 talks about that. He says in verse 26, He says, if you diligently listen to the voice of the Lord your God and do that which is right in his eyes and give ear to his commandments and keep all his statutes, I will put none of these diseases on you that I put on the Egyptians, for I am, I am the Lord who heals thee. Okay? So this has got a lot of components to it. Number one, I am is what Moses said earlier in Exodus when he said, What's your name? What shall I tell Pharaoh when he asked me who sent me? And, and God said to Moses, tell him, I am that I am sent you. So he's saying the great almighty God, right? And Chris, I want you to jump up and get ready for um, our clothes too to sing. But the great I am. So here we have in the Old Testament covenant language, church. Listen, stay focused on this. That the great I am was there with Moses and Abraham walking through the covenant pieces, making an agreement, a powerful agreement, okay? And he said in, his, in the Old Testament, I am Jehovah, your healer, the great I am. Now check this out. In John eight fifty eight, Jesus said this. Jesus said, truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was... I am. 
Church, Jesus the Christ, New Testament, is the I am. He's the same I am that died on the cross. That was the same I am who made a covenant with Abraham. He's the same I am that said to the people with Moses, I will heal you if you obey my commandments. He's the same I am. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. You can claim and walk in any Old Testament promise because it was Christ, the Messiah, the I am, that lived in the body of Jesus, but he was the eternal God of the great Almighty God, the Christ, who was the same Christ that walked through the covenant pieces back in the Old Testament. He was the same God who made promises in the Old Testament said, I'm Jehovah your healer. I'm Jehovah your provider. I want you to trust me. I've got great things for you. So today in the New Testament time, we can take that promise of God today and say, you know what, God, you're the same I am. You're the great I am that was here dying for us. You're the same great I am in the Old Testament that said you're my healer. And you know what? He doesn't change. So you know what Jesus is today? He's my Jehovah Rapha. He's my God that heals me. He's the same God today. And I'm telling you, church, that if you'll grasp a hold of the fact that the great and mighty God, the creator of the universe, was in Christ Jesus and made a covenant with you to make you whole, to give you forgiveness of sins, and to give you an abundant life, is the same God in the Old Testament. The whole book is a story about his great love for you. You know what's exciting about this? Because there is a change. The cross did change things. The covenants of old were law. You obeyed the law because of what would happen. You obeyed the law because you didn't want the curse. We tried that. That was a tough thing to do. We couldn't do it. Christ came and said, I'm going to give you a new covenant. But this is going to be a covenant. Not You're not going to obey me so you don't get bad stuff on you. This is going to be a new covenant, and this covenant is going to be a covenant of love. He's like, now, Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. So Jesus said to you and me, I still want you to obey, because that brings life. But now, your obedience is going to be because you're in love with me, not because something bad will happen to you. What a deal. So today, a lot of us want to go, oh, grace, 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 everything's grace. I can do whatever I want. I'm under grace. No sin matters anymore. No, 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 no. You're under a new covenant. But that covenant is love. And it's love through the love of Jesus Christ that he gave his life for you. So now you can walk in obedience because you're in love with the great I am. You have the great I am living in your hearts, church. You have the great I am living with you every day, wanting to walk with you and talk with you and help you and guide you and direct you. And now you walk in obedience and you choose to not do things that will bring harm to your body because you're in love with him. I do things for Jen because I love her. In this covenant, I obey Christ because I'm in love with him. Not because... There's a rule I got to follow else I won't get what I want. I follow him and I do what's right because he made me. 
and I know he loves me, and now I'm in love with him, and I know my obedience to him now is because of love. Are you with me, church? This is a big deal. This is a super important concept that we need to get in our hearts, that our obedience, because a lot of people want to say that, oh, I'm under grace, so I don't know why. God should just heal me. No, you can still be in this, in a new covenant with Christ, and if you're walking in disobedience, you're not walking in love, and you're going to be susceptible to the things that are the sowing and reaping principle that happens. If you're, if you're unforgiving in the New Testament and you're not forgiving somebody and releasing them over to God, then you're walking in disobedience. You're not walking in the covenant of love. You have broken your covenant with the new covenant of love and you're walking in disobedience. And what does the Bible say when you catch yourself doing that? 1 John 1, 9. If you sin, confess your sin. For he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness or not right doing. Are you with me, church? I hope this is sinking in. Holy Spirit, help us get this in our hearts that the great I am is in us today. And it's a covenant of love. He loves you guys so much that he gave his only son to die in your place so that you can have the position to have a relationship with the great I am. Let's pray. Father, oh, we love you. We're so thankful, God, that you are the great I am. We're so thankful that you loved us enough to die for us, to pay for all of our sins, to take care of all the debt we racked up. You covered it all. We didn't deserve it. You just did it. And we thank you for that, God. And Lord, we thank you, God, that you're a God who forgives and is into second and third, fourth renewal. You're a renewing God. You give us second chances. There's always a a love factor in there, God, and we're so grateful for that. And Father, we pray right now that you would settle in our hearts that you are Jehovah Rapha, the great I am. You are the God that heals. Lord, and we ask that you would help us today to start viewing this sickness and disease as you view it. Correct us from our poor teaching or disappointments from the past. Things didn't work out the way we thought. And so we got disappointed in you, God. And I just, with every head bent and eye closed, I just, the Holy Spirit's just telling me that there's a disappointed heart here tonight or this morning. And if that's you and the Holy Spirit's working on you and there's disappointment, and that's legitimate. You have disappointment on the past of how God didn't come through for you, and he didn't heal. He didn't take care of something he should, you thought he should have, or it didn't go down the way you want. And, and I, just, I want you to get free from that because disappointment will hold you back from today's miracle. Disappointment is from the pit of hell. It'll captivate you and enslave you and bind you up and keep you from walking in faith and receiving from God. And there's someone here today that needs to give up that disappointment and actually forgive themselves and forgive God because you blame God for something you thought he should have done that didn't happen. And if that's you, I just want to pray with you. And as a point of confession, no one looking around, this is just between you and God. I just want you to raise your hand so I know to pray with you. I see the hand. Anyone else? Anyone else here say, yeah, Pastor Doug, I've got disappointments that I need to deal with so I can walk 
in the freedom that God's given me. Anyone else this morning that wants to give up that disappointment? Anyone else here this morning? Just raise up your hand. I'm just going to pray with you. I just feel like the Holy Spirit really wants to set you free today to walk in faith and power. But disappointment will kill your ability to walk in power. It'll stifle you to grow up in the things of faith. Anyone else? Anyone else? Yes, Father, you see the hands that are up, Lord. And Father, I just pray right now in the name of Jesus over every heart right now that is confessing their need to get rid of disappointment. Lord, I pray right now in the name of Jesus. Oh, Lord, that you would forgive. And right now in your chair, with, with your breath, just say, Lord, I'm sorry for blaming you. I'm sorry for being mad at you, Lord. I'm sorry for that disappointment turning into something even worse. Lord, so I just forgive you and I release you, God. I release myself from that disappointment. And Lord, just because I don't understand why it didn't happen, I still have faith in you because I'm going to believe you no matter what. I'm gonna, your word doesn't change. No matter what my experience is, God, your word remains truthful and pure and holy and right. And so God, we give up that disappointment to you. We lay it at your throne. And we're so sorry, God, for holding on to that disappointment. We're so Sorry for using that as an excuse not to move forward in you. Oh God, free us from the spirit of disappointment. And we just rebuke every spirit of disappointment, frustration, and resentment towards you and your work, and even healing, God, in the name of Jesus, Lord. If there's anyone here this morning that has not committed their life to Christ, I always give an opportunity. If you're here this morning and you've never surrendered your heart to Jesus, to come into that relationship with him, and that's something you want to do today. You're feeling that tug on your heart. You're feeling that God is prompting you. You kind of feel like there's a hole that God's just pulling at you inside to give your life to him, to commit your life to him. And if that's you this morning and you want to do that, just slip up your hand. Is there anyone here this morning that say, yeah, Pastor Doug, I need to surrender my life to Christ for the very first time. I've never done that. I've never given my life over to him, but I want to do that today because I want to live this life. I want to live fully in the hands of God. I want to quit living my own life and surrender to him. Is there anyone here this morning that would say, yep, just raise your hand up, look at me real quick, and we'll pray. Anyone here today say, yep, that's me, Pastor. I want to surrender my life to God. I want to become new. I want to be a new creation. Anyone? Anyone here this morning? Oh, Father, we love you. God, and we just bless your name. I pray, Father, that every word spoken today would go through the filter of the Holy Spirit to the hearts of all of us, God, that we would know you more and better. We would know your word, know your true heart towards not just sickness and disease or even health, God, but your heart towards every aspect in our life, every vertebrae in our example, God, every vertebrae, every nerve, every area of our life, Lord, we surrender to you. We want your perspectives on all of it, God. Because we know you're the creator and you know best. So we're going to trust you. Because you are the great I am. You are the great I am. Church, we're just going to end on just singing and just worshiping for a little bit. So I just want you to see these words and sing with Pastor Chris. And just uh, let's lift up a praise to God. Yes, Jesus.
Thank you, Jesus. I am. Church, I don't want to end today without the opportunity to heal. God's a God of healing. So if you want healing in your body today, you've got a sickness or disease that you're fighting against, and you want us to pray for you, I'm going to ask Pastor Bob, Pastor Craig to come up with me and join me at the top, at the front here. And we're going to anoint you. The Bible says if there's elders among you, they should anoint you with oil and pray for the sick and the sick shall recover. That's what the Bible says. We're going to do what the Bible says. So if you want to agree with us in prayer, we believe that God's a God of healing. Chris is going to continue to sing and sing this song. If you need to go right now, we want to totally excuse you. If you have to get going, please leave quietly out the back. Um, but if you want to stay with us and worship, you're more than welcome to do that. And if you want prayer, I want you to come up and we're going to lay hands on you and pray. So would you do that? So come forward and we're going to pray for you and continue to worship if you'd like.